Chapter Seven of Eighty Seven by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: Unseen Connections. A worthless heap it was, strings, of course, and the pitiful remains of a jackknife and a little milk-soaked book about two inches square. This book Miss Putnam picked out from the rest with the tips of her fingers and a distrustful air tramps always carried with them disreputable literature dime novels the weekly story paper and matters of that sort she had heard this and firmly believed it but was it possible that satan manipulated such tiny volumes as these she held the book off at arm's length as she now had to do when her handsome gold-rimmed spectacles were not in service and read the first lines on which her eyes alighted Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For pity's sake, ejaculated Miss Putnam, in her most astonished tone, and then was silent. What a book for a ragged tramp like that to be carrying around! Could it be possible that he ever read in it? He did not look to her as though reading was one of his accomplishments not thinking about the words she turned the leaves to discover the extent of damage done by the milk and came upon this verse he that honoureth him hath mercy on the poor for pity's sake said miss putnam again it seemed to her very strange that those two texts should confront her just now blessed are they that do his commandments wasn't she one of those who tried in a fitful sort of way to do them she knew she was not in any case remarkable for her christian zeal in fact she had a dim suspicion that she was not remarkable for anything but neatness upon this she had always prided herself was not cleanliness next to godliness that sentence sounded as though it ought to be in the bible she was not quite sure but it was nobody but miss putnam herself knew what a trial it was to her to have the nicely scoured boards in front of her steps flooded with milk as they were at this moment the thought of them hastened her movements she took time to lay the little book on a pine chip on the corner of the kitchen shelf to dry then she unceremoniously burned the heap of string and bits of paper as she tossed the worthless jackknife to the boy on the milking stool she looked closely at him and said to herself he that honoureth him hath mercy on the poor he's poor enough and no mistake i dare say that little book was given to him by his mother and maybe she's gone have you got a mother boy she raised her voice to ask the question winter shook his head he was not in the mood for words something like the bitterness of a vague disappointment was upon him he had attempted to make himself necessary, and the spilled milk was the result. "'Poor wretch,' said Miss Putnam, as she closed the kitchen door. "'He shall have a decent supper, anyway. I won't wash the horrid old jacket. I'll give him Don's.' This settled, she took the tongs, and with them lifted the jacket into an empty coal-hod that was in the outer kitchen waiting for ashes." Half an hour later, and Winter Kellen's supper was ready. Somebody ought to write that supper's history. It was evolved by degrees from Miss Putnam's cupboard and conscience. At first it had been three generous slices of brown bread and a bowl of milk. Miss Putnam had surveyed the bright pan of creamy milk with a grim air for a few minutes, 
silver spoon and little cream pitcher in hand then she had set aside the pitcher and dashing in the spoon had stirred the cream mercilessly until skimming was out of the question from this pan she had filled winter's bowl a plate of cold potatoes seemed to call her as she passed she paused and looked at him boys like warmed-up potatoes she said and there are more there than i need for breakfast he might as well have them as the chickens i'll clap in a few and let them warm themselves but they warmed themselves with the help of a fair quantity of sweet beef drippings and the odor which wandered through the kitchen and out to the milking stool was savory enough for a less hungry boy than the tramp who sat there by the great haunch of cold beef ready for tomorrow's use miss putnam paused for some time it's ridiculous she said at last perfectly ridiculous but he looks as hungry as a wolf and i don't know who has a right to find fault with what i choose to do the last word spoken almost defiantly and while the great pinky slices were slipping from under the sharp meat knife when it came to the soft black gingerbread which lay in flaky sheets on the cake tins miss putnam smiled grimly it did seem as though she was making a goose of herself she owned that but here was so much more than she needed or could use before it dried she hated dried gingerbread and all boys had a sweet tooth even if they were tramps and this boy whoever he were was to wear don's jacket suppose don was there to take supper with her what gingerbreads without number would she bring forward for him the jacket would have one more good supper besides said miss putnam aloud and stopped if she had finished the sentence it would have been he that honoureth him hath mercy on the poor to be sure there was no connection between mercy and gingerbread nor yet cheese of which she cut a large slice refusing to argue about the matter nevertheless that supper was inextricably mixed in miss putnam's mind with those two verses from the little book now i want you to think for a moment of winter kellen's experiences heretofore memory dated back to the pauper table of a county poorhouse perhaps you do not know just how meals are served in these institutions winter did but your general knowledge of life will tell you that bowls of milk with the cream stirred in and pinky slices of carefully cooked meat and potatoes warmed to just the shade of delicate brown which you know without being told was the point to which miss putnam brought hers to say nothing of fresh gingerbread and new cheese are to put it mildly rare combinations in a county poorhouse when for winter the scene shifted it settled in mrs josiah griggs's kitchen you have had a glimpse of the dreariness which reigned there though i know you do not fully appreciate it without being in any sense a bad woman mrs griggs was one of the sort who had few refinements of feeling to burden her own life and none whatever to spare on chore boys she had one cracked and very ill-smelling plate she always served winter's meals on it not in ugliness but in sheer stupidity as to a boy's possibly caring about any such thing and because of a general idea that of course the cracked plate was a suitable dish for a boy many other things went by chance of course she liked her potatoes hot but why should a great strong boy care it was with these and kindred views upon her that she always prepared his meals 
serving them on the corner of the kitchen table in close proximity to the garbage pail on one side where scraps were gathering for the pigs and flanked on the other by the great dishpan in which she had already washed up the greasiest of the cooking dishes but when that scene changed oh dear her kitchen and the food she served would have often been the personification of comfort to winter compared with the places in which he had been fed and the things he had eaten and the things he had gone without possibly now you can have some conception of the effect which that supper had upon him which was spread on shining white dishes on the whitest of miss putnam's several kitchen tables spread neatly because miss putnam did not know how to spread a meal otherwise a pad of delicious butter and another slice of sweet brown bread were added at the last moment because well because miss putnam had set out to honor him winter still occupied the milking stool his worst look spreading over his face a good beginning this he said to himself looks fatherly i must say i wonder what my friend the grandfather would say to it the first time in months that i've made an honest try and i must bring up in a great wet sprawl on her clean doorstep i was a fool for milking her cow she would have given me the crusts left from her supper if she ever gets it eaten without that and i'd have been off by this time looking up a sleeping place there's nothing for me but tramping and i might as well settle down to it just at that moment he was called to supper half an hour later he stood under the clear october sky in the starlight and pulled off the ragged rimless hat he wore and looked up at the stars and swallowed hard and winked and would not have owned even to the stars that his eyelids were wet and that something seemed to be choking him it wasn't the extreme excellency of the food nor the exquisite neatness of the surroundings nor the silver spoon with which he had eaten the creamy milk actually the first silver spoon winter had ever held in his hand it was none of these things in themselves which had so touched the boy in fact he could not have told you what it was it was all confused in his mind with that talk of the morning stray words of which persistently clung to him repeated themselves to his consciousness such as manage the roast beef and plum pudding business for yourself or take your place in the world like folks as he spread the golden butter over the golden bread and caught a generous mouthful from the tender beef there had come over winter such a sense of what it would be to live in such a home as this to sit at such a table to actually belong to all this neatness and sweetness as it seemed to almost prevent his swallowing though he wanted every crumb of the wonderful supper for pity's sake miss putnam said when she found that he had actually accomplished the eating of every morsel she had given him yet there was satisfaction in her voice as she used her favorite exclamation her next words were i do hope the poor wretch had enough he looks dreadfully young for such a life only supposing for a moment that it was dawn with this dire thought she rushed to the door you just wait a minute i'm going to get you an old jacket that belongs to my nephew in place of that rag you had on it won't hold together to be washed you don't mind my putting it in the fire do you no ma'am said winter and added with a queer little tremble in his voice i thank you very much for my supper 
i never had such a supper before in my life i'm sure you're welcome said miss putnam then she shut and locked the door and flew up the attic stairs there was the jacket hanging just where she put it with her own hands after washing and mending it ready to put it into the next home mission box which was packed in their society it is neat and clean and whole had miss putnam said when she hung it there and if the home mission folks are half so badly off as the papers make out they'll be glad to get it if it is partly worn what my own nephew would wear if he hadn't outgrown it i guess will do for a home mission boy if he is a minister's son now as it came down from the hook it received this bit of address if he isn't a home missioner i'm sure i don't know who is i'm at home anyhow if he isn't i wonder where his home is and what he has gone away from it for i didn't know they ever started out to make tramps of themselves so dreadful young there can't be two years between him and don and his mother is dead poor thing i wonder how she would feel if she could see him now maybe she kept him looking nice and trim when she was here he isn't a bad-looking fellow i believe if he would comb his hair and wash himself but maybe he hasn't had a chance to do any such thing maybe he hasn't even a comb for pity's sake there what's the use in talking there is no end to such things suppose one does try to have mercy on the poor where will one bring up i should like to know meantime winter was out under the stars waiting for the jacket i'd work for some second-hand clothes had his fence post acquaintance of the morning said and winter had looked in particular at his ragged jacket and smiled his sarcastic smile and wondered to himself if it would drop off gradually bit by bit and how he should look in his shirt-sleeves and had had not a shadow of hope of getting a better one in its place and now one was coming to him coming too because of that pail of milk over which he had groaned and gloomed how fierce he had been over his fate and it was proving to be the first bit of luck which had reached him for many a day you will observe that he knew nothing about the little book and the part which it had played in this matter and yet he was impressed almost awed by a curious realization of the fact that out of the thing which he had called evil had come his bit of good as to the other good the wonderful supper which had been spread for him he could not understand that at all he puzzled over it could she be in the habit of feeding all tramps in that way no assuredly she was not miss putnam's neighbors could have told him that the utmost she ever did for tramps was to give them a neat square of bread in a neat paper bag and shut and lock the kitchen door after them as quickly as possible miss putnam was much surprised at her own line of action this evening and only half recognized the power of the little book in the matter she came down now jacket in hand and called him to try if it fitted if it had been made for you it couldn't have done better she said in grim satisfaction well you're welcome to it as good a boy as ever lived wore it i wish i could think that you wouldn't disgrace it here are the traps you had in your pocket miss putnam stretched her conscience to say this it wasn't traps at the utmost it could only have been called a trap that tiny book which she had wrapped in a bit of paper 
because she could not bring herself to hand it boldly forth to him and let him know that she knew what it was the shamefacedness of some otherwise outspoken people in regard to everything which savors of a religious nature can only be understood by those shamefaced people themselves who have dodged an issue many a time rather than speak a word in honor of the master whom they love where are you going to sleep to-night anywhere ma'am he looked up at her as he spoke with a grateful smile still lingering on his face i'm used to sleeping wherever it happens but i'm not used to such a jacket as this i thank you ma'am good-bye he had not the slightest desire to say a saucy word the rather long walk to the front gate had been taken the unusual fastening had been labored with and overcome the gate opened and clicked to again before miss putnam opened her door and called look here i suppose you could sleep in the carriage house if you wanted to End of chapter 7